Hello, I'm Victor Tabala, and this is Expert Voice, Eagle Natural Health's podcast and your partner in natural health well-being. Joining us on the line today from the Sunshine Coast is Tennille Newton, naturopath and CEO and founder of The Naturopath's Kitchen. Tennille is also a fitness leader and has been involved in the health and fitness industry for over 15 years. Her treatment and practice are centred around dietary and lifestyle modifications to positively impact lifestyle-based chronic conditions. And I'm also very proud to say that Tennille is someone who I've worked closely with for over the last 10 years, and I'm pleased to welcome her today to this podcast. So, Tennille, thank you very much for your time today, and welcome to Expert Voice. Hey, Victor, great to be here with you today. And where has that last decade gone? <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Gosh, I, I think it was 2008 when uh, Integra was just uh, forming as an umbrella brand. And uh, yeah, it was fantastic in terms of the fact that uh, we got to know each other a bit and learn about each other. So on that note, uh, today we're going to be talking about mitigating stress, toxicity and immune function, or in other words, how can stress be toxic to us and how it could affect our immune system? So let's get the ball rolling, Neil, and talk about the fact that it is well known in today's society that excessive stress is bad for us. But yet, science indicates that at a certain level, stress may actually be helpful to serve our needs. So, Tunil, can you describe the different types of stress? Or, in other words, stress which is helpful and stress which is considered unhelpful and how that may manifest in our lives? Absolutely, Vic, and that's a really great question. Fundamentally, our stress response is our body's primal physiological response to things in our environment that we perceive to be a threat. Now, you might have heard of it as the fight or flight response, uh-huh. or sometimes it might be game day <laughs> stress as well. <laughs> That's right, um, yes. But stress actually triggers a release of hormones, including cortisol and adrenaline. And what happens is we experience an increase in our heart rate and blood pressure to basically pump blood all around our bodies so that we can be ready to either fight the wild animal in front of us or run away from us. But the problem lies in our current lives that our causes of stress has changed. We're not really uh, encountering tigers down the road or anything like that. We're much more likely to find the terrible drivers on the road with us or opposition (laughs) sports teams perhaps, (laughs) Um, financial challenges and our relationships causing stress. But unfortunately, our physiological reaction to these things is actually the same. We've also got a good amount of stress. It's something that we call eustress or good stress. And this is really good for us. You know, if we've ever competed in a sporting event or even if you've taken an exam, you remember those feelings straight before. Your heart starts beating a bit faster and your mind actually gets a bit sharper as well. And these actually improve our physical performance and our cognitive function, but only in the short term Uh and if the stress is resolved. What this issue is now and what we commonly see long term is this chronic unresolved stress and this is where the problems can really start for people. And that's the issue, isn't it? Because as you said before, the, 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 the short-term stress or the eustress can be beneficial because it's basically a way for our body to survive at that particular point in time to be able to adapt to whatever type of danger, I guess you could say, has appeared at that particular time. So we can use that stress to help us adapt very quickly. But as you mentioned, it's that chronic stress. Unfortunately, in this day and age, as you said, being stuck in traffic could be 
equal to having 10 lines or 10 animals try and chase us. And it can be quite a chronic long-term issue that can certainly affect us in the long term when it comes to uh, other uh, manifestations of disease. And so on that note, my next question is when stress becomes chronic stress, can you outline the impact it has on our body and in particular, our immune system? Absolutely. And it can have some really serious long-term effects if we don't counter it. And it affects everybody differently. In our um, modern understanding of genetics and science, we start to see that our responses to stress are actually individual too. Some of the common signs and symptoms that people may like to consider that indicate their stress is becoming a problem include things like poor concentration, if people are getting moody and irrational and maybe forgetful, you know, we've all gone um, into the house, put our keys down and forgotten where they are. I think I've even oh. opened up the fridge before trying to look for the damn things. <laughs> we've, you know? all done, we've all done that. We've all been <laughs> there, yeah. Exactly. Um, It can also lead to a lot of issues with insomnia and sleep. And then that's also going to affect how you feel the next day and how you function. We see issues with hormone imbalances. People get tired. They start looking for comfort foods as well as they get stressed too. And we often see a lot of weight gain, particularly around the waist Mm -hmm. due to the effects of these uh, hormones and cortisol too. That's one important area to focus on because we do know that cortisol now, particularly when it comes to social media, it's quite a buzzword that people consider cortisol and the fact that it is a potential underlying factor that could be a reason why people are not only gaining weight, but also at the same time, finding it hard to lose weight. And so one target or one aspect you should consider, particularly as a practitioner is are we dealing with stress or is our patient or is that customer stressed? And if so, how much is it affecting their lives? Because it can be a potential underlying factor that probably hasn't been addressed. I mean, they might be you know, doing the right thing with their diet, they're doing the exercise, but are we dealing with the stress? So on that note, cortisol, uh, we spoke about before. So of course, it's one of the hormones that's produced by our adrenal glands. And it plays a role, not only in terms of stress, in terms of supporting stress, but also regulating our immune system. So, Tanil, why is maintaining a balanced level of cortisol such an important part of staying healthy? It is super important. Cortisol, we want a balance of cortisol and the levels of cortisol actually change throughout the day. When it comes to our immune system in particular, Cortisol is actually essential for modulating levels of inflammation in the body. Uh Um, It also helps to stabilize these uh, cells in our body called mast cells, which release histamine, which a lot of us will know around seasonal allergies when you get that rhinitis and allergic sinusitis responses. Um, It affects both pro-inflammatory and anti-inflammatory chemical production in the body. So it's very, very vital that we get the right levels of cortisol, but also at the right time of day as well. And on that note, what happens, um, Tanil, when there is either too much or too little cortisol? Well, in the earlier stages of dealing with chronic stress, what we see is an increase in cortisol production from our adrenal glands, also alterations to its levels throughout the day. So we call this stage the wired and tired stage, Mm -hmm. and we see elevations in our cortisol levels in the afternoon or evenings instead of in the morning. Um, And this can really significantly upset sleep. But as this continues, these high levels of cortisol, we can actually 
essentially burn out our adrenal glands. They become quite exhausted and our cortisol production can then become chronically low. And this is where people will start to feel long-term lethargy and fatigue and the feeling where they can't get out of bed for the day. So then we've actually got a, a far more uh, difficult situation to work on for that particular patient. And it's such an important area, the adrenal glands, because in my conversations, particularly when it comes to pharmacists, I've had many lengthy conversations with pharmacists about adrenal health. And the issue is, is that um, there isn't too much available when it comes to pharmaceuticals, when it comes to supporting adrenal health. But thankfully, and we'll obviously be covering this later in our podcast, uh, wonderful interventions um, naturally, so both nutritional and herbal, that can support our adrenal glands. But yes, our poor old adrenals are under the pump. So on that note with cortisol, Tanil, does cortisol work in isolation or within a symphony of hormones? Does anything in our bodies work in isolation? That's probably the question <laughs> we should be asking. Yeah, that's right, that's right. <laughs> cortisol works in concert with a whole wide range of hormones. Um, if it's high or low, it can affect a wide range of different aspects of our health. We talked earlier about the way it can affect weight gain and stress and cortisol actually alters our fundamental metabolism of our, of our macronutrients, our protein, our fat, our carbohydrates. And this can actually yeah. lead to weight gain, particularly around the abdomen, as I mentioned, and increase the risk of becoming overweight, obese, and even developing type 2 diabetes. And we've got one person every five minutes developing diabetes in Australia. So they are astounding wow. and concerning yeah. statistics. Oh, it certainly is, one in five. I mean, it's yes. such a damning uh, statistic, as you mentioned before. And that's, a, of course, a, you know, an example of what happens when there's an imbalance in our hormonal system, particularly where stress is an issue. I was also going to say that it also alters a lot of our other hormones in the body, the hormones that are produced from our thyroid gland, and that's like our master metabolic gland, yes. um, our pancreas that produces our insulin to uh -huh. regulate our blood glucose, and also the balance of our sex hormones, things like testosterone, estrogen, and progesterone. And this can actually further compromise our hormonal balance. And so again, this really highlights why balancing cortisol and stress is so vital to our health. My gosh, you've, uh, you've encompassed pretty much a lot of major areas there for most, if not everyone. I mean, you're talking about uh, before the immune system, we're talking now about our actual sex hormones, so estrogen and testosterone and so forth, how that can be affected. And we know how important they are for both male and female as, as well when it comes to our, our various cycles. And not to mention, of course, the, um, the, the energy side of things as well when it comes to uh, the adrenals. So as I mentioned before, this symphony of hormones that our body is trying so hard to balance, you know, that homeostasis that the body's trying to achieve. And with a lot of interventions, both internally and externally, when it comes to factors that could affect that, is that there are so many. So it's that idea of trying to address as many as uh, successfully as possible can always be quite a, uh, a challenge. Definitely. Another area of stress that can be a major issue is the area of inflammation. So in your opinion, Tanil, how may inflammation affect our bodies and what can we do to keep it in check? Just like we've got an epidemic of stress issues in Australia, we've got an epidemic of inflammatory conditions as well. Um, and when our 
stress axis response, which we call the HPA axis, is altered, we actually see an increase of inflammation in the long term. Now, inflammation is a bit of a double-edged sword. It can be both a driver and a symptom of a variety of different health problems. Uh And for too many of us, it can be far too easy to reach for some paracetamol or some ibuprofen to manage these issues to get a quick fix. But the relief from those medications is very short-lived and they actually pose some significant health risks in the long term as well. Now, fortunately, with inflammation, we've actually got one of my favourite herbs. Uh, you'll be very familiar with this, Vic, yeah. um, uh, turmeric and one of the <laughs> active the phytochemicals, uh, curcumin, yeah. and this would be one of my primary prescriptions for managing inflammation. It's such a wonderful herb, turmeric. It's such a wonderful herb. It is. We probably should be putting this in the water, I think, because everyone would benefit. <laughs> as long as everyone doesn't mind having curry-flavoured water, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> it could be interesting. It could be very interesting. Absolutely. <laughs> um, the thing with turmeric, and particularly curcumin, its active ingredient, is it's not well absorbed in the gut. So you've actually got to use a specific curcumin that's got enhanced phospholipid absorption for best results. And what curcumin does, it actually works similarly to these anti-inflammatory medications where it reduces the production of inflammatory chemicals in the body. So there's a specific one called Mariva curcumin. This is a specific extract and it's been clinically trialled to improve pain, function, um, stiffness that's all common in osteoarthritis and also other inflammatory conditions affecting bones, muscles, skin, and even the eyes as well. So it's it's a herb that we can prescribe for a lot of inflammatory conditions and even ones where stress is a driver involved in those conditions as well. I love the fact that it does so much. It's like this panacea, as they say, in terms of what turmeric can do for us. And And you mentioned before about the phospholipids. That's why I find with Indian cuisine, because everyone, of course, loves a great curry, and I think that's where that's where they've got it right. Because in Indian cuisine, when they cook a curry, they of course put the curry powder, the turmeric, the fenugreek, and so forth. But it's always cooked with either ghee or with coconut milk, and we do know that both of those are wonderful sources of good fat, similar to the phospholipids that are found in the Mariva extract of a good quality turmeric. And so they've got it down packed as literally a food that is medicine that can certainly help long term with inflammation and some of the other factors you mentioned as well, like digestion. Going to the uh, nutrient side of the things, you mentioned turmeric, and I'm sure there's other herbs which we'll also refer to um, later in this podcast. But in terms of nutrients, what are the most important nutrients that a person needs in order to support a healthy immune and nervous system and help to maybe mitigate the toxic impacts of stress? That's a really good question. If we're dealing with someone who's stressed, the first thing to remember is that their digestion is affected. So those people may not actually be digesting and absorbing the nutrients from their food properly. So they're going to need even more support. So we're really going to need to top those up from a a supplement to top up those nutrients. If we're dealing with a combination of chronic stress and poor immunity, the key nutrients to think about are vitamin C, which I'm sure we're all very familiar with. That actually helps with both adrenal function and immune function as well. Uh, Vitamin A, preferably to beta carotene because we know the conversion of beta carotene isn't always effective and vitamin A helps the health of the mucous membranes lining the respiratory tract and the gut. Vitamin D3, of course, from our sun and we're moving into those cold winter months that I hate so much. 
Vitamin E, all these antioxidant-rich nutrients are very good for both our stress response and our immune cells. Other things like ubiquinol or CoQ10 um, and also trace minerals like zinc, magnesium and selenium are all supportive of this whole uh, stress nervous system immune access. I loved how you mentioned vitamin C. I personally think vitamin C is such an underestimated vitamin. I know that people love vitamin C and they recognize vitamin C when it comes to immune support. But the fact that vitamin C plays such a crucial role when it comes to adrenal health and the fact that, you know, again, looking at diet, are we getting enough vitamin C in our diet on a regular basis? And we're talking about chronic stress. So you put those two factors together, chronic stress, lack of vitamin C, it can be potentially a, um, an issue that's going to be a long-term or that have a long-term effect on symptomatic issues when it comes to health. So I agree that vitamin C would be such an important supplement to take on a regular basis. So Neil, the nutrients that you've just mentioned, can we get these from diet alone? Maybe in a perfect world with no stress, <laughs> no environmental toxins, perfectly healthy soil and in a really healthy person, maybe then we could get all the nutrients that we need. But do you know anyone like that or living in that world? Oh, I, sure, I, I sure don't. No, neither do I. Neither do I. Not in Penrith anyway. <laughs> It'd be nice, um, but that's no longer the world that we live in, unfortunately. And if we consider the diets that most Australians are eating, they eat what we call the standard Australian diet, also known as the SAD or SAD diet, uh -huh. with good reason. That's too many processed foods, lots of preservatives, additives, high levels of sugar and refined carbohydrates. And what these foods actually do is they increase inflammation and they actually steal nutrients from the body to ensure that they can be processed within the body as well. So no, I don't think we can get those nutrients from our diet alone anymore. And it's such a sad state of affairs where foods that are so highly preserved with lots of factors and numbers and colors and so forth are so readily available. And unfortunately, they're also very cheap. So people do access those sorts of foods a lot more easily as well. But on the other hand, we do have such a plethora of fresh options, fruits, vegetables, great protein sources such as grass-fed meats, uh, for example. And I mentioned before in another podcast how the amino acids from the proteins in those meats play a crucial role when it comes to stress and the nervous system, especially with tryptophan. So there are so many options and there's so many wonderful recipes that um, you can also look up. Um, I believe, Tanil, with your naturopath's kitchen that you do have quite a number of recipes there that you can use and refer to to combine all these fresh ingredients into great tasting food that you can nourish the body for all areas, nervous system, immune system. Yes. Everybody who knows me knows that I'm a huge foodie, so I'm all about creating health with fabulous food, not boring health food. <laughs> it's got to be tasty or you're not going to want to go there, right? That's right. Beyond food, are there certain supplements, whether they're nutrients or herbs, that can support a person who is affected by chronic stress and how can they help? Um, for managing stress, I like to include a wide range of nutrients that nourish the adrenal glands. And we were talking about vitamin C earlier. Most people won't be aware that vitamin C actually accumulates within the adrenal gland and we actually need it to synthesize or manufacture our stress hormones from the adrenal glands themselves. Um, and vitamin E helps to protect the adrenal gland from damage. Now, vitamin C dose is very important when it comes to any nutrients. 
And the research shows that a thousand milligrams or one gram of vitamin C taken three times a day actually helps to reduce elevated cortisol levels. So it is a really fundamental part of managing stress and adrenal health. I'd also add in our B vitamins and trace minerals. These compounds are really important for supporting cellular energy production, supporting our nervous system, and they're also cofactors in the enzymes needed for different hormone production, so it helps that balance. From a herbal perspective, um, I like to use what we um, call herbal adaptogens. Now, what these herbs do is help to minimize the negative effects of stress within the body. These are herbs such as withania, and we were talking about turmeric before. Uh Uh, Withania has also a long history of use in Ayurvedic medicine out of India for thousands of years. Now, there is a specific extract of withania. It's called KSM 66. This particular extract um, has data from clinical trials as well that shows it helps to reduce the stress hormone cortisol. It helps to reduce feelings of stress, so people felt less stressed while they were taking their withania. Interestingly, it also helped to reduce people's food cravings, um, improved their weight loss as well compared to placebo, and that can also be complemented with other herbs that help the adrenal gland and stress response, things like Eleutherococcus, otherwise known as Siberian ginseng. Love that Licorice. <laughs> yep, you love that. And love licorice. That herb, yeah. Licorice, yep. I'm not talking about lolly licorice here, not that horrible black stuff. Um, Not my favourite at all. You can keep those black jelly beans. Um, This is herbal licorice root, and this also helps to uh, support adrenal function and reduce feelings of stress. Now, one final herb that most people won't think of for stress, they'll probably think of it for immune system health, that's echinacea. Echinacea. I love echinacea. Yeah, you do love echinacea. Nearly every practitioner we speak to absolutely loves echinacea. But it's actually got a dual benefit for this group of stressed individuals that need immune support. Echinacea is actually an immune system modulator. It helps to also balance the nervous system. The species Echinacea angustifolia and purpurea from the root contain compounds called alkalamides. Now, these are constituents that are found in the blood when you take echinacea orally. Now, these compounds actually influence our stress response via a system that's intricately involved with our HPA system, which is called the endocannabinoid system. So this is a more newly identified way that echinacea actually interacts with our stress response, which is really interesting. I love the collection of herbs that you've mentioned, Tania. So you mentioned the echinacea, the withania uh, in particular. Having spoken to fellow practitioners over so many years, a lot of them actually do prefer, or it's actually withania is more prescribed than echinacea in a lot of cases because I personally talk about withania um, as a herb for the modern age because of the fact that it has this adaptogenic activity. And the mind-body connection is also quite a real area of concern. In particular, science shone a light on the mind-gut connection over the past decade or so. So, Tunil, how can stress affect our gut health? 
Modern science and our research advances are really confirming many of our spiritual or esoteric and traditional medicine beliefs about the interconnectedness in our bodies and our minds. And we actually know now that we've got the longest nerve in our autonomic nervous system called the vagus nerve, and it runs from our brain to our digestive system as well as to our heart and our lungs. So it's highly affected by stress. And under chronic stress, it actually changes the signaling to the digestive tract. So if we're chronically stressed, the signaling between the brain and the gut by the vagus nerve will alter the production of our digestive secretions, things like bile. It'll also affect the movement of foods through the digestive tract and will actually affect our ability to digest properly and absorb our food when we're stressed. And of course, this will have a flow-on effect affecting our nutrient status and subsequently our immune system as well. We've even got special nerve cells in our digestive tract. They're called glial cells. And these essentially reach out into our, our digestive tract and taste or sense what's going on in there and tell our brain what's going on. So it can then initiate an immune response if there's a gut infection or if there's inflammation, it can respond to that. And this helps to regulate the health of the digestive tract and regulate the health of the brain and regulate the health of the immune system. But again, these glial cells can be adversely affected by chronic stress as well. Wow, the vagus nerve. I remember back uh, when I was uh, studying anatomy and physiology, uh, looking at the vagus nerve, but the fact now that it's being highlighted as being the nerve, the actual prominent nerve when it comes to the mind-body connection or the mind-gut connection in this case, such an important area that has to be highlighted and for people to know about the fact that, yeah, the brain and the guts are so closely related. So nourishing the guts along with nourishing and supporting the nervous system will play such a significant role in achieving optimal health long-term. All right, so all this talk about the guts, we of course cannot leave out probiotics and their importance in gut health and also the nervous system as well. So Tanil, can probiotics play a role in boosting immunity, particularly when someone is affected by stress? Absolutely. They actually play a vital role. Um, did you now know there are more bacteria living within our gut than we have cells in our bodies? So the wow. question really is, are we more bacteria or are we more human? <laughs> um, so again, this bi-directional relationship, they affect us, we affect them. It's a, it's a, it can be a mutually beneficial arrangement. But in certain people, the gut bacteria will become disturbed. We've seen a huge expansion in research into what we call the microbiome. This is essentially the bacteria that live on and within us, uh -huh. as well as the effects of probiotics. And not probiotics as a group, but we're starting to get into the specifics of how certain strains of probiotics impact us and our health and how we impact them. Now, probiotics have been long known to impact gut health and benefit things like IBS and, and constipation, diarrhea situations. But we're now seeing that it really helps to support healthy immune function. And when you understand that a large portion of our immune system is actually found within the digestive system, it really starts to make sense that uh, the gut health and the balance of the microbiome and probiotics can impact our immune system. 
Now, research has shown there are strains such as ones called, now these are a few, a bit of a mouthful, so, <laughs> so stick with me. Um, I'm with Bifido, you. Bifidobacterium infantis, and that's got a special code called R0033, and Lactobacillus helveticus, R0052, as well as Bifidobacterium strains. This combination together, when taken by children, actually reduces the rate of their winter respiratory tract infections when taken for at least three months. So in that study, we're actually seeing the benefit of taking probiotics where we're actually having an immune response and improving their immune function. Now, interestingly as well, there are two specific strains that benefit those with stress. So this is where we're moving into the realm of what we call psychobiotics. And this is where probiotics actually exert influence on our nervous system. So two specific strains here, Lactobacillus helveticus R0052 and Bifidobacterium longum R0011 might be of benefit to those who are stressed because if you take those together for a period of 30 days, uh, we saw reductions in levels of the stress hormone that we've been talking about today, cortisol. Wow, there we go. Yep. And improvements in the associated scores for these individuals for that measure the levels of their anxiety and other mental health parameters. So essentially, these specific probiotics can look after our digestive health, look after our stress response, look after our nervous system, and look after our immune systems as well. What a plethora of options we have for stress. I mean, we've spoken about vitamin C, B vitamins, withania as a herb, and now probiotics. Because we know, of course, the importance of probiotics when it comes to gut health. But here we are now finding specific strains that can actually target the nervous system, in particular, the area of cortisol that we've been speaking about quite um, prolifically in this uh, podcast. So on that note, my last question for you today, Tanil, is can you give us an overview on how people can learn to react to stress in a healthy way? I think it's really important that we support our patients to learn how to manage their stress because obviously we can't take all the stress out of our lives. We just don't know what the next day holds and what we're going to run into. So it's really important that we modify the thing that we can and that's how we react to it. So for me, um, with my background, I really have to have a focus on exercise and I'm sure you'd agree here, Vic. Oh, very Um, much so. Very much so. This really helps people to cope with their stress very effectively. Now, people don't have to go out and run a marathon. Um, In my opinion, you never see a smiling runner. Um, (laughs) People have to find something that they like. So that's the most important thing. And particularly getting out in the morning, getting some sunshine will be perfect. For me, it's paddleboarding up at Noosa. You know, I'm immersed in the beautiful surrounds, nature, dolphins, you know, there's Stingrays everywhere. Just just, rub it in, why don't you, (laughs) Tanil? I will, I will. Um, So it's almost like a moving meditation going paddleboarding for me. Um, Diets are essential. We talked about those pro-inflammatory foods. We want to get those out of the diet. Minimising coffee. Coffee doesn't help. It only helps in the short term. And don't even get me started on the high-sugar caffeinated energy drinks. They should actually just be banned. I totally agree. Absolutely. Gosh. <laughs> coffee, coffee, no. We can't we can't ban coffee though. Can't no, no, we coffee. do. For certain people that can metabolize it effectively and they're not in the adrenal um exhaustion stages, then a little bit of coffee is okay. Yep. Absolutely. 
lots of green, leafy, nutrient-rich veggies, non-farmed, wild-caught seafood that's rich in omega-3s and avocados, these good fats. These are all nourishing for our nervous system. People need to get to know what triggers them. Um, and, you know, they're different for everybody. So if someone feels they're too busy, they need to start saying no to a couple of things every day or perhaps consider working on your time management perhaps. Absolutely. Um, if it's financial, then seek some professional support for managing the budget. If you set up a plan for how to deal with stress triggers that you've got, you're less likely to feel stressed and that weight will be lifted from your shoulders. We've talked a lot about sleep. Absolutely essential. We need to practice healthy sleep hygiene. That's getting things like our technology out of the bedroom, get the TV out of the bedroom, shut down your phone an hour or two before bed and make your bedroom a sanctuary for rest and relaxation. And I actually like to use guided meditations to fall asleep as well. And critically for stress, one of the most beneficial things to do is using relaxation or meditation techniques. And these can be as simple as closing your eyes, focusing on your breath, slowly inhaling and holding that breath for a few seconds and then exhaling. Um, and mindfulness and yoga are also really great for stress as well. So people need to take a few of those things and start incorporating those into their days to help mitigate um, the toxic effects of stress in their lives. And in, most importantly, a lot of those options you mentioned, Sunil, they're also very cost-effective, aren't they? Really, at the end of the day, I mean, they, they sure are. Yeah, like I mean, how much does it cost just to go for a walk or, you know, um, or a run? You know, it's just you know, just throw on a pair of shoes and off you go. Just wonderful options there. And I love how you mentioned uh, the importance of sleep once again, because again, that's just an important area that we really need to emphasise. Because if it's its important role in managing and even regulating cortisol levels, and uh, as you know, we, we do know that so many people out there are chronically fatigued because of the lack of sleep. And it could be because, as you mentioned or highlighted before, the fact that we carry our phones to bed and we sort of look at our phones before we go to sleep. So our, our minds are so revved up and active, even you know, at the point where we're trying to rest and try and get some shut eye. So that whole area of sanctuary creation when it comes to your bedroom, I love that idea. And of course, the diet. You mentioned before the the, the greens and the omega-3s from avocados and, and good wild-caught fish, for example, particularly salmon. Wonderful options, uh, cost-effective options that people can do on a regular basis. When I say cost-effective, what I mean there is that you've got options here that could possibly prevent long-term damaging chronic conditions or chronic diseases that can become very expensive to maintain and treat not just for us, but for the governments as well when it comes to the costs involved in trying to subsidise those sorts of conditions in society. So those simple measures that you can take at the end of the day can make such a massive difference and have a huge impact on uh, chronic, chronic stress, but also achieving optimal health and well-being for the long term. Yeah, just on that, Vic, I was just at a conference in Melbourne over the weekend and they, um, one of the presenters there came up with the statement, the best cure is prevention. Uh. <laughs> so that really summarises what yes. we should be doing in our daily lives um, to prevent these chronic disease states from occurring in the first place. And that's the major point, isn't it, that we've always known that. I mean, it, that's been espoused in so many different areas of life and particularly health that uh, prevention is the best cure. And I think that's something which we do need to emphasise 
with our patients, but also in our dealings with people in general. Well, the good news is, is that, you know, if we're not able to get the best diet or have the most perfect diet, then we have appropriate supplements that are available as well that can support uh, pretty much all the areas that we've spoken about, nervous system, stress, adrenals, immune function, even digestion. We have so many options available to us. So this has been a wonderful catch up to Neil. Thank you so much for taking us through this very important topic of mitigating stress toxicity and immune function. My pleasure. And we encourage you to consult with your healthcare practitioner for advice on whether supplements are suitable for you. If you've enjoyed what you've heard today, we'd appreciate you jumping onto iTunes to provide us with a rating and a review. And if you have a topic that you'd like us to cover, we want to hear from you. Get in touch with us via the Eagle Natural Health website, which is www.eaglenaturalhealth.com.au in the Contact Us section. I'm Victor Tabala. Thanks for listening.